0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nano Community Tech, a uniting voice for technology enthusiasts across the country. It's with great pleasure that I get to introduce our guest today, Cameron Stevens, who's a solution engineer with Realware. Welcome to the show, Cam.
1: Thanks, Andy. Great to be here.
0: It is really exciting, and I we were having a chat a little bit earlier, and and I can't wait to share some of the uh, thoughts and. uh, and comments that you had uh, and and, and certainly some of the insights that you uh, bring to the world of wearable tech and particularly with the product uh, that you're most uh, involved with these days. Looked at the website and there was something around uh, hands-free solutions for frontline jobs, which really took me, uh, certainly took my attention. And uh, I see that's real ways involved in automotive, manufacturing, oil and gas, healthcare. You guys are everywhere. Uh, with clients such as Volkswagen, Mars, BMW, Corgate, so you, I can clearly see this is this is a a, uh, a, a technology that's adopted by many. So, uh, but you know, I can only talk about it from a arm's length. That's why you have we have you on the show, Cam. Maybe a little bit more about your role and tell us a little bit more about Realwear.
1: Thanks very much, Sandeep, and uh, yeah. So I'm a I'm a solution engineer at Realwear. Um, Realware is uh, the maker of purpose-built head-worn wearable devices for industry, and the flagship product, the the HMT One, and that stands for head-mounted tablet. Um, and really, it, it's the market-leading ruggedized wearable in the uh, in the market for um, for the industrial frontline worker. It's purpose-built for the industrial frontline worker, and and my role as a solution engineer is to work with organizations to uh, determine how they can best generate value out of uh, wearable technology and the development of connected worker programs. So the end-to-end solution stack from connectivity, uh, the hardware, including the HMT1 or the HMT1Z1, which is the intrinsically safe version, plus the software stack and um, the integration with enterprise systems. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: We talk about uh, wearable... Uh, technology that's uh, the HMT1 perhaps. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about how someone would use it and why someone would use that technology and how is that better than what we currently have?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, so look, the HMT stands for Head Mounted Tablet, as I said, and that is exactly what it is. It's a an Android class tablet that's um, been designed in a wearable form factor. So it's designed to be worn when you are actually performing work and i think really the wearable space started in earnest back in the mid 2000s around 2006 when the first iteration of the gopro came to market Um, i think that kicked off uh, a wave of um that's only continued to get better over time but the first generation gopro really set aside more the imagination um in in the market so we we were able to capture the experience that you had uh in the first person and you were able to do that hands-free so the the benefits that people uh, were gaining you know back then in 2006 nick nick woodman the um the inventor of the gopro he was a you know, a surfer, skier, motorsports enthusiast. And to be able to bring the audience into the viewpoint of someone that was on a surfboard or on a big downhill, downhill snowboarding run, uh, you were able to immerse yourself into that perspective. And that's really what we've been leveraging um, with the ability of, to have this first-person perspective. And then with the invent of the the iPhone just one year later, um, people were – getting used to the idea that they were carrying around a computer with them. So we've combined, you know, in that mid-2006, 2007 era, a wearable camera with the computing power and over time that's continued to develop into what is now products um, like the the Realwear HMT. But when it comes to enterprise, there's a few ingredients that you need to be successful and, and they are ruggedization to ensure that. The equipment can can effectively be used in an environment that is loud, noisy, dusty, dirty. Uh, Chemicals exposure to chemicals. Uh, You need battery life for all day. Uh, You need um, and 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 the hands free capability. You need to integrate with personal protective equipment. But if you have a wearable that enables you to do all those things, the use cases are are phenomenal Um, and really. Sandeep, the the key benefit um, that we haven't had in the past is this unencumbered, hands-free ability to get a viewpoint from an industrial worker at the frontline work environment where they're physically interacting with tasks. So we can unpack a few of those use cases in more detail, but it's really leveraging uh, compute power and access to documentation, access to information, transfer of knowledge not inside a crib room or inside an office but right out at the front line uh, at the edge where work is being performed
0: i guess my my question was around uh the wearable technology that uh i guess that that for most of us who are in the consumer realm uh look at so one that comes to mind and we were talking about this a little bit earlier was google glass and uh and that sort of thing is real wear does the form and shape that Realwear take on similar to what Google Glass is?
1: So, Google Glass isn't designed for the industrial frontline worker, um, and and Realwear is. Um, there's some similar capabilities of the of the de- of those two devices, but when it comes to Ruggedization and being able to be working in industrial frontline, um, that they're not a comparable product. Um, but in terms of the use cases, uh, in different industries, uh, there are some absolute crossovers. Um, but from a technology staff perspective, they're quite different. And, a, a, an example of that with the realware device is, um, the, the realware device has four microphones and the and proprietary uh, OS, uh, proprietary operating system software that enables the ability for workers to control the device uh, totally with their voice um in really high noise environments with significant you know 98% accuracy over 95 decibels and into the 100 decibel range. So those are the types of differences Um, other differences with products like RealWare and their, and, and some of our competitor products um, uh, are the ability to ha- so both Google Glass and RealWare have a monocular display, so only one eye gets used. Um, so it's a they are reality-first device versus a digital-first device. So something like the Microsoft HoloLens is really digitally intensive and requires both eyes to see the images and requires um, a, probably more attention to be uh, taken away from the real world, uh, whereas the uh, the realware device is a reality-first device where it's real world first and then you're provided with heads-up information as you require it. So uh,
0: let's unpack that for a bit because uh, I think it, it's quite exciting to... See wearable technology in in sort of the industrial space, and I'm you know I'm imagining someone uh, high up in a uh, wind turbine farm, and they're trying to fix a problem up there, and uh, and they're wearing one of these wearable devices, and it's head mounted, uh, and they are seeing some cool stuff happening on the screen, uh, potentially instructions or documents or stuff that helps them actually fix the problem up there. Of course, these are dangerous situations and dangerous locations. Um, is, that, is that kind of where we're going with this kind of wearable technology?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, if you think about the way that we invest in a frontline worker right now, m- most organisations, they invest in the frontline worker to the office. So they're well set up in the field office. Uh, so in the case of that um, wind turbine maintainer, there's probably a shack somewhere in the wind farm where they can get access or it might just be in their truck where they've got a tablet uh, that they can review documentation and do what they, what they need to, to commence a work order or to get some information or troubleshoot. But then they need to get to the top of that um, turbine and then they need to maintain it and they need to get potentially some assistance and to go all the way up and then all the way back down and get back into their truck to get their tablet because they're not going to climb the ladder or maybe they've got a bag that they put it in and they take it up and then they have to put it down and if they drop it well it's good night uh, for the tablet so what what we're seeing now with wearable technology and when I mean wearable technology I mean uh, I'm Talking about wearable computing technology, not wearable sensor technology like a, you know, a, a Fitbit or, or or something like that. I'm talking a a full compute power um, tablet that is made into a form factor that's wearable. These things enable hands-free operation. They are designed to well, good technologies will be designed to fit on the equipment that the worker needs. So someone working in that. High-risk uh, wind turbine environment may need to clip on, wear a harness, clip on and climb up a ladder, and have a climbing helmet on their head. So the and and wear gloves and uh, and other protective equipment. So the the wearable computer needs to be compatible with that. And uh, when you do look at some of the first iteration products, and we did talk about the Google glasses, that they weren't designed for that purpose. Um, and there are industrial designed wearables and that's where real wear fits um, fits into that space so yeah where the the investment of handheld which is about as far as we've invested in the front line is where we're going that next step and it's all about user experience and that and that is the shift that we're starting to see organizations that are prepared to invest in their front line uh, are looking at things like wearable computers because they are Providing a really good user experience for the people that are using them in the front in, in the field
0: look it, it seems to me like it's a no-brainer for, for everyone to adopt this sort of wearable computing um, technology. Have you seen everyone come on board with this and, and if they have not, what are some of their concerns <laughs>
1: So with with COVID-19 came a real nudge for people to, to go, we have no other choice. So we saw a lot of um, certainly my experience here in Australia where international vendors were not uh, allowed into the country to support projects. There was no alternative but to provide a, um, a video call to assist that. And a lot of organisations were trying to get through by using a handheld A handheld mobile device and or or a laptop (laughs) carried by someone, and um, it was clear that uh, we were getting inquiries from folks that were knowing that that wasn't an optimal experience. Mostly to do with uh, the fact that you couldn't use your hands and the the experience on the desktop user end that was viewing the video feed, uh, they could they couldn't really hear the person. um, It wasn't uh, stable and um, it just the experience all around wasn't great, so the the initial investment for these folks was was literally a no brainer, and it was paid off in minutes. Um, the 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 capital investment was paid off in in literally minutes. One l- less than one phone call, you were you'd already paid paid off um, in terms of saving travel and things like that. And then what we saw is we started to see companies. Um, so the companies that took a um, Uh, took a pause and had a look at the value that they were generating have continued to accelerate and they have started to scale adoption across their, their organizations. It was the ones that didn't really have a kind of a vision or a strategy for what was going on and just did it as a, uh, a break fix type scenario and uh, then got back on with their regular way of doing things that, you know, haven't, haven't really continued to, to generate value. And, those are the customers that I am working with now to try and understand, like, what is the re- what are the reasons for not moving ahead or moving forward, and um, a lot of the conversation right now is is coming back to connectivity, as as you'd probably appreciate. A live video call uh, can only be supported with a with an internet connection. The beauty of that, uh, from a um, a strategic direction, is connectivity is only getting cheaper, uh, more available, and we're even seeing things like the Elon Musk Starlink program providing connectivity anywhere in the world, and even uh, regular standard um, BGAN or VSAT satellite systems uh, enabling quite low-cost calls. So as we start to see the connectivity discussion dissipate to become cheaper and more available, i personally don't see why there would be any reason that folks would not have this as a standard toolkit. So as the connectivity gets better and we're seeing uh, Wi-Fi 6, we're seeing uh, 5G, uh, we're seeing satellite and low-orbit satellite systems and we're seeing the extension of regional networks of 4 and 5G. Once we start to see that um, our high-risk locations are covered well with connectivity there really isn't an excuse to be not using this gear or this type of gear anyway.
0: Yeah. And I think that, uh, and that, I guess if you apply it to the Australian context, we have a a vast nation and this sort of uh, broad coverage of wearable technology generally across the board, I think it's a, it's only just going to get better, especially given our regional support required and so on. and, 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 you know, and, as you know, COVID-19 has um, made it uh, uh, made us rely on ourselves, the talent that we currently have. so I think this sort of uh, technology will only make it better so, uh, for uh, organizations across the board to actually h- be able to hire people who, who are not location re- uh, dependent and so on and so forth. Are you seeing that sort of trend also um, in your conversation?
1: Absolutely. We're, we're certainly seeing in the mining sector with automation comes a shift in the profile of the worker that still remains on site, and that worker now requires assistance more than ever, multidisciplinary assistance. So, uh, and, and they're more accepting of it as well. So we're seeing a maintainer now become equipped with uh, viewpoints and diversity of opinion in troubleshooting when they need access to those, uh, those, in, those people in an organisation as well as the, uh, the digital assets like documents, drawings and things that they need. So as I, as I said before, where uh, when companies are investing in their frontline staff um, with a good user experience, they're providing them with all of the tools that they need at the time that they need it, not you know, 20 minutes after they have needed it. Um, you know, they're getting it live. So that's, um, we're certainly seeing um, an ageing workforce as well here in Australia and we're seeing knowledge leave industries and uh, a wearable computing system enables uh, experts or subject matter experts who may be down on part-time or have maybe semi-retired, they're able to be providing remote support back into the industries which they love in a way that um, suits their lifestyle. So we're starting to see uh, remote support um, into organisations from all over the world. So there's, it's effectively boundaryless where people uh, can live and work um, and they're able to continue to educate and um, transfer knowledge back into the workforce uh, across the board. So really interesting stuff. The other thing
0: I was thinking of just as, uh, as, as, as I was doing my research uh, is the part of uh, artificial intelligence and in all this. So in, in my mind, I'm thinking right now we've got that human being at the under, other end of, uh, uh, of the line, so to speak, and, and giving instructions and communicating with the frontline uh, workforce. Can you see thing uh, technology such as um, artificial intelligence and machine learning actually trying you know playing a part in this or is it already there
1: i put this under the banner of data science so data science more broadly is um gaining traction in terms of if we can provide insights to people and support that with um computers that are able to then uh, mine in that 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 information that we're providing, that data that we're providing to provide additional insights and potentially predictive insights, then um, we're seeing organisations generate massive value out of that. What a wearable computer does is it provides a better user experience to capture audiovisual data and to in, uh, interact with sensor data when you're physically in the work environment. So what I am seeing with organisations is rather than um so let's talk about a maintenance task where uh the a pump is pulled apart and there might be a seal in that pump that has been degraded it's in in our regular um work environments right now it's highly unlikely that a photo would be taken of that seal face because uh It's difficult to get a camera out. You might need to get a permit. Um, You need to take your gloves off. You've got to stage the environment to make it safe. Whereas if I have a wearable computer on my head, I can get either a live call in to an engineer straight away, or the vendor that provides me the seal, or I could just take live um, and that can be analysed. Well, that data can at least be housed for for mining later or it can be um, looked at live. So the algorithms to support frontline workers live are still being uh, kind of tested and trialled with different organisations, and we're seeing some really interesting stuff come out. But the, the purpose here, and I think where companies can leverage now is is capturing that audiovisual data.
0: And it's interesting you mentioned before that connectivity seems to be the biggest uh, hurdle for a lot of organisations because as we get... Uh better at connecting and we get richer data to support our whatever outcome it is that we're seeking I think that's that's a really good um, an incredible combination I thought we'd uh, we'd explore other means of or other use cases or other uh, scenarios where, wearable technology like this could be applied, are you seeing a broad use of this technology beyond uh, the the manufacturing space?
1: So we have several use cases right now for board due diligence on their health and safety risks. Um, We have leadership coaching conversation uh, use cases going on. We have remote auditing use cases where people are maintaining their warranty certifications or their insurance or perhaps their ISO accreditation. So there there is uh, a lot of um, really interesting use cases going about. Um, We're seeing uh, the support of um, emergency response, um, being able to coordinate emergency response and gain intelligence from the field. Uh, We're seeing uh, Medico legal use cases and also medical support use cases, where uh, it actually Realwear was um, the the wearable computing product of choice uh, for first line response in Wuhan for the um, the emergence of um, the first uh, understanding of COVID nineteen. So the realware product was. Um, worn with a silicon band and worn with a full Tyvek suits uh, at the epicenter of, um, of the pandemic uh, right back in, uh, in early, uh, early 2020.
0: It's quite a broad spectrum of use cases. I mean, in some respects, you're, uh, you're using it in a boardroom uh, decision-making process, which can also then lead to, to decisions that save lives. And then, of course, you're actually saving lives uh, in, in the Wuhan uh, use case. So that's that's pretty amazing and and quite certainly quite broad. Now you've mentioned use cases already. I want us to maybe uh, think about some of the use cases that have not yet hit our uh, our radar and you know stuff that's that's up and coming that you think from from your perspective that you think are use cases that are yet to be use cases. If you know what I mean. Um, and, and just uh, applications of this technology that we, we have uh, yet to even dream about. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, look, I think where I see, so in terms of the spectrum of use cases and what's being used in industry at the moment, the you see what I see, uh, remote collaboration is, is a 100% take up for all, all people that are using, certainly the technology that I'm working with. And then we're starting to see a, a, a growing population start to use um, digitally assisted workflows, so step-by-step guidance, um, evidence capture, and uh, interfacing with documentation, and those types of things. And and that's that's a growing a growing space. It's then um, IoT data visualization, so the ability to uh, for a maintainer or a worker of any description to be given the information that they need from sensors that are surrounding them in the field at the time, I think can unlock some really interesting uh, abilities to, to make uh, rapid decisions when you're you're in, uh, in, in an environment where you need access to that information. Let's say you're a frontline firefighter and you want to get information that gives you wind speed and direction or... Um, where if there's been a fire front that's come in another space or where the location of all the other units are, you should be able to get that information to you live inside your um, your display. So those types of things I think will emerge. But where I see a real um, alignment is uh, the mapping technology, so the point cloud mapping of uh, pretty much any any environment and the use of uh, that in combination with, say, a digital environment, so a digital twin-style environment, and then uh, predicting or, or rapidly uh, changing certain uh, parts of what you're about to do and then pre- predictively letting you know what an outcome could be. Uh, so I think a combination of using the uh, you know, drone or terrestrial mapping of, uh environments work environments and then modeling quickly very quickly computational models that can analyze different directions that could be taken if different decisions were made and then providing a worker with that information so that they can make a more informed decision about the work that they're about to do i think is where we'll start to see this stuff um and i i think we're only going to start going to see more uh, lighter weight Um, more human-centered extensions of our regular bodies um, with these types of um, wearable tech. So yeah I think the combination of all of those things together we should start to see some pretty interesting stuff happen.
0: Cameron Stevens thank you so much for being part of of this conversation. I've learned so much and I think uh, if I can, if, from what you've told me, this, there's a lot to look forward to. And there's, there's certainly uh, certainly a lot to discover. Um, if people want to find you and continue conversations with you, where, where can they do
1: this? There's probably two places. So first of all, my regular profile on LinkedIn, uh, Cameron Stevens. Uh, you'll find me there. That's Stevens with a V. And uh, otherwise... Uh, more broadly as it relates to emerging technologies for health and safety outcomes, uh, I have the safety Innovation Academy page on LinkedIn as well. It's a good spot to interact uh, and and unpack some of the the potential that emerging technologies have and to to develop digitally enabled safety strategy and that's a, a coaching and consulting service that I provide independently of um, of technology and um uh, technology vendors so two spots to find me um linkedin is probably def- uh, easily the best place to find me to start with so i'm um, looking forward to a few dms in my inbox
0: <laughs> fantastic thanks for the time Cam stevens um we'll wrap it up there thanks
1: thanks andy